Question, do you consider yourself to be submissive in romantic relationships? And I mean like actually submissive. So in your romantic partnership, mm -hmm. you baby, you are a servant to, you are a lover, you want to be a step ahead. Why are you laughing? These because are your it words. sounds insane. Because <laughs> I know it is my words, but it yeah. sounds crazy. Relationships and submission and being submissive is like, it's like an eight count. Know that dance. You better know that five, five, six, seven, eight, one, dishes clean, two, laundry. Jasmine Brown, AKA Watch Jazzy, is here to break down the art of submission and why she thinks it's deeply misunderstood. So let's get into it. Welcome to Lovers and Friends. Lovers and Friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, Lovers and Friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I say, Hi there, lovers and friends. Welcome to Lovers and Friends, the podcast. My name is Shan Boudram. I am a public-facing sex and relationship educator with an educational background in sexology, psychology, and journalism. I've been working in the space for 15 years. On a personal note, I am hella pregnant and hella unprepared for said pregnancy. Um, and to prove it, you might actually hear some construction in the background because we're trying to make space for this baby who's arriving in like a month and some change. So please don't mind the bzz, bzz and the knock knock and the other annoying sounds that I now live with for nine hours a day. On another personal note, I am pissed off right now, like many of us are about the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. And I've been consuming a lot of content around that to try to understand my anger more. And here's a clip from the actor DeWanda Wise that has really resonated with me that I want to share with you. Now, I've been a part of organizing movements my entire life, and honestly, the work just doesn't stop. The more you integrate service and advocacy into your life in a sustainable way, the less intense these moments will feel, and most importantly, the shit will actually get done. Sustainable advocacy are two words that I think are extremely inspirational and also deeply aspirational and intimidating for someone like myself. And I want to talk more about that at the end of this episode in an informal way. Formally, when I feel like I'm in a place where I can rally enough information and the right guests to be truly additive to this discussion, I would love to revisit it. So back to the topic at hand, the art of submission. I have so many opinions and thoughts and just feelings about this episode. And that is why I am really excited to bring it to you because I feel like it's going to spark some really interesting dynamic conversations in your world as it has in mine. So if you're not familiar, here's how this podcast works. There are people who I follow online or that I come across that I I'm nosy. You know, I want to know what's happening in their sex life, in their love life. I want to know what's top of mind for them. And so I DM those people and I'm like, I have this podcast. We talk about sex, love and relationships. If you could choose any topic under the sun in the intimacy universe, what would that topic be? And usually when I approach people, I have because I follow them, you know, I have an idea of what they're going to pick in terms of sex, love, or relationships. I also have an idea of the tone of the episode that I'm probably going to get out of that person. So Jasmine Brown, aka Watch Jazzy, is someone that I have followed 
I couldn't even tell you for how long, maybe 10 years because she is bold and fearless. And so it felt natural to be like, I have this podcast. I would love to have you on. And again, pick your brain about what is exciting to you in the realm of sex, love, relationships. With Jazzy, in full disclosure, I thought she was going to pick sex 1000%. And I felt like the topic was going to be best sex positions for having sex during an earthquake while you're on top of a volcano. Like that's what I thought this was gonna be. And instead, immediately she's like, everything that I do is with love. And I care, when you genuinely care about someone's rest and you care about if they eat, I think that that's just, I don't feel like it gets more submissive than that where it's like you're taking yourself out of it. From what I've seen of her brand, Jasmine, and submissive woman didn't really seem to align. Um, and it was a moment. And I know when I have those that I am onto something and that furthermore, there is work that I have to do and that this person is graciously giving me the opportunity to do a lot of learning and unlearning through them. And I want to take them up on that offer. And that's exactly what this episode is all about because I'm going to be honest. When I hear the term submissive woman, this is, this is what I assume. My name is Monica and I live to please my husband, John. We have a traditional marriage and I'm the man and I make the rules around the house. So I like my husband to pick up my, my clothes because I like pleasing him. Anybody who's been with a woman knows they don't know what the heck to wear, right? Yeah, I would say 98% of my day evolves around <laughs> my husband. And look, I know two things about my connotation when it comes to submissive women. One, I know that I'm not alone. When I hear that someone is submissive to their partner, I hear that they care and value and prioritize their partner's needs and desires instead of their own. Automatically gives off a sign of weakness or a sign of she's doing way too much and not receiving enough. My mind goes to someone who might be in a relationship based on more dated traditional gender norms and whose needs and voice might not be prioritized or heard or considered equal. The man is the leader and the head of the household. As a woman, you have to give up control up to him. Two, I know damn well I am dead wrong for thinking of submissive women in this particular way. I especially know as an intimacy educator to all people to hold negative opinions or judgmental opinions about people's personal choices for how they want to exist in romantic partnerships is unproductive and narrow-minded. And then I also know that it prevents me from being great at my job and accessible to other people. I am someone who identifies and has probably my entire life identified as a feminist. And in full disclosure, I'm not a gender studies major, nor am I an expert on the history of feminism, but I view feminism basically as redemption for women, freedom for women, or the fight for equality for women. And I think traditionally I've been under the fight for equality for women. And when you're a part of that particular movement or strain of feminism, you can tend to look down upon women who are not looking for equality, maybe in the same way that you're fighting for. And to that, I'm speaking to women who hold traditional values or who 
enjoy a life that is centered around traditional gender roles. And I've been trying to really fix that of late and really focus on freedom for all women and that being what my purpose is. And freedom means that you have the choice to choose a life that you feel best suits you and that I or no man or no government has any right to tell you what that life should look like. So in knowing that I was holding on to some limiting beliefs around women who identify as submissive, I wanted to redefine and broaden my definition. So I had to just Google what actually is a submissive romantic partner. And after coming across way too many cringy definitions, I did find this one that's simple and clear from my friend Hafiz, who is one half of the men's empowerment brand, The Roommates. Most people will agree that submitting is accepting the authority or will of another person. Yes. Sub means under, right? Submarine is underwater, you know, you know, subpar is, you know, is under. Yes. Mission. I view submission as coming under someone's mission. Okay. And it's a choice. Yes. I like that. Slavery is forced. Yes. Submission. Submission coming under someone's mission is a choice. So with judgment out of the way, or as much as possible, because as I edited this episode, I definitely was like, oh, that's a that's a Judy moment right there. But with judgment out of the way as much as possible, given where I'm at today, I was able to invite a lot more curiosity into this conversation. And that's what you're about to listen to next. Someone who just wanted to know, what does it actually mean to be submissive to your man in a relationship? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What is your day-to-day routine? Obviously, what does your sex life look like as a result of this dynamic? And Jasmine was, again, gracious enough to sit with me and to answer these questions. And I'm really grateful. And so let's get into it. Jasmine Brown, also known as Jazzy or Jazz, rapidly became an online sensation known for her in-car rants and original characters such as Toya Turnup, Termite, and Reggie. Jasmine is an actress. I've seen her work before on BET. She is a writer and a comedian professionally. And we're about to get to know her romantically in a way that I know will surprise you. Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I don't know why you're feeling away. Why? What do you mean? Look at you. I should be nervous. No, why? Because uh, if I ask stupid questions, if I step Never. on your toes. Never. I'm so nervous because I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to unravel today? Even though I know that everything we talk about is going to be needed for people to hear, especially for me, because you said I would never think you would be like that. I would not. And that's interesting to me. So you know why? Because I, what I know of you is you've always been a hustler. You've yep. always been a boss. You yeah. constantly reinvent yourself. Yeah. So yeah. that's what yes. I said. My first and foremost comment to you was I've known about you for over a decade now. Oh, thank you. That to be said, my perception <laughs> of you has been like career oriented, me first, mm. not in a negative way, but like kind of like that person who's like, I'm no good to you if I'm not good to me. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that me first. I'm not even like that. I think that it seems like that because of how I hustle. But even when I hustle, it's not even for me. All right. So let's bring it back to the basics. What is the art of being submissive? First step is get with somebody who wants what you have to offer. I think love and submission is a tailored fit. It's not a one size fits all. So I can only tell you what what 
it means to me. Now for me, it's complete selflessness. I am satisfied in serving. I'm a servant. And I watched my mother serve all my life, you know, and it was rain, sleet, or slow. I think we talked about this on the phone. Um, my mother's love for my father wasn't conditional. It's not my responsibility, but it's I your joy. It is my joy. You know, I, I love to see him eating the meal that I cooked. I love seeing him sleep easy. Like every night, like clockwork, I scratch this man's back to sleep. And I know when he's asleep because I can tell when his breathing changes. And some people might think that's psychotic, but that's like, I just know that's when I'm like, oh, I can stop now. But I find joy in being your rest. And it shouldn't be conditional. A part of that lack of conditions too means that you do your duty joyfully regardless of yes. what's being done for you. That's it. I do my duty joyfully regardless of what is happening to and for me, you know, now some days I might be more cheerful than others because I have my own stuff going on. You know, when there's times where it's like, I don't even want to say what's going on with me because, again, I know how to deal with me and my pain. You know, I'll cry in the shower and keep it moving, you know. But in the art of submission for me, because I can't speak for everybody, is being joyful about it. You know, it that want of, and I think it, not even just a want, the power of knowing that you, you have the power to make someone's day better. And that's a choice. And easier. Yes, better and easier. That's a choice that you have to make. I always make the choice to do it. I always make the choice to do it. I, I like to give. I like to allow my person to lead. They know, especially like when it translates in the bedroom, I like to feel dominated. You know, riding dick ain't always my favorite position because I like to be taken advantage. Oh, my gosh. No, I don't like to be taken advantage of. I like to feel. That's okay. I like to be degraded. Yeah. Those are languages that I like and I accept. I do. But if I'm comfortable and if I trust you. So just know what that means. Know that dance with your partner. I think of relationships and submission and being submissive is like it's like an eight count. Know that dance. You better know that five, five, six, seven, eight, one, dishes clean, two, laundry, three. If you have a long day and you fight in the world, you will never come back and fight me. You will never come back and walk into a space that is not welcoming you. Mm -hmm. You know? Do you think that this is controversial in some capacity? Absolutely. To some, it could be enabling. You know, and someone told me one time, they're like, you're enabling him. And I told him how that made me feel. And he was like, of course, they're going to say that. They don't have nobody doing that for them. How did it make you feel? It made me feel like maybe I am. But at the same time, that's my love. So if you don't understand it, you know, it's not I'm not loving on you for you to get it. That's that's how I love. And whoever I love is going to get that benefit. Yes. There was a time where, you know, women needed men for everything. We couldn't even open up a bank account, you know. And now it's like women are really in their bag where they're like, I'm, I have my own business. I'm doing this. I don't need I don't need a man for nothing. Like basically, like, can I be frank? Like, I'm a, I don't need a nigga for shit. I don't, mm. you know, and I can say those words, but I want one. So my brain wants to understand the exchange here. <laughs> Because, know, and this could be, it's not, no, you're doing great. But my, because I told you, I'm going to ask a bunch of stupid questions. Yeah. Because this dynamic, I think, like, my relationship with my partner is very egalitarian. Like, we're equals. 
Mm. Like I don't ever feel like I'm giving for the sake of giving and I'm not receiving for the sake of receiving. I'm receiving being like, well, I deserve this. And I'm giving being like, you deserve this. Mm. So there's that exchange happening. So you speak on, you're like, you tell him the things that you need. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the things that you feel like you deserve, you'll say that? A hundred percent. How will you say that? I need you to step up in these areas. Mm. I need to not worry about this. I need to be able to take my brain off this thing. I need more affection. I need mm. more love. If we're going to be sexual, here's the things that I need to like feel more sexual. Mm-hmm. And in return, I invite that. Like, yeah. So we have a lot of conversations. How does, he, does he receive it well? I think everybody has a problem with being told that they're not doing enough because we always go to like, well, I'm already doing X, Y, and Z. So I think that there's, there can be, I wouldn't say that he's always arms wide open, but he always adjusts. But Mm. so I guess when I'm listening to your relationship style, I'm like, if we kind of broke it down into like to do's specifically, like what does a submissive woman do for her man? Everything. (laughs) What does that mean? You know, like packing his bag, unpacking his bag, um, just making sure all the things that he wants and like I, I pretty much read his mind. So it's like if I know you and I study you, like I know how you are in the morning, I know how you are about midday, I know when you're in this mood, what you need. Like before you can ever ask me for something, I'm already on it. I mean, he's spoiled. And you know, when I talk to my girlfriends about it, they're always like, oh, how are you guys doing? And I'm just like, girl, he's rotten. I'm like, he's spoiled rotten. Like, he's rotten. But I love that. Like, I want him to be that. I think my biggest flex is how I treat my man. You know what I mean? And my biggest flex should be how I treat myself, which is, so it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. What are you getting from all that you're giving? What are you asking for in return? You know what's interesting? And you saw my reaction when I was like, you say that? You asked for that? You know what I mean? I think that I have gotten better at saying the things that I need, but if I don't get it the first time, I don't like to say it again. So would you do what you're doing for a broke dude? What What do you call broke? Can't, requires your financial support as no. well. No. No. I mean, I, I think to be broke, you can be- Still some, a great lover, still very romantic, still very emotionally supportive. But I'm just like asking. About I wouldn't like, even know that. I wouldn't even know that he's all those things. Because it's, I think there's a lot of people who are financially stable who are broke minded. And I can't get down with that either. So let me just clarify the question. What are the requirements from a man to bring to Jazzy in order <laughs> to get this level of love from you? Um, I think it's how you make me feel. Um, I have to feel safe with you emotionally. I have to, you have to excite me. I need edge. So all this cute, soft shit that I need him to be emotionally this, I do need that. But I also need some edge. And I also need a man that is like, you know, like I am a submissive. So like in a way, my love language in sex is like you, I like for you to tell me what to do. So sometimes it's like, Jazz, sit your ass down somewhere. It's like, oh, shit. What I do? <laughs> Let me sit down, you know? But it's like someone who is a very, you know, you can be emotional and, and, and be soft and things like that, but I still need you to have a little sprinkle of that edge. Do you need an alpha male? Yes, only, only. And you know, and I think men are confused on if they are or not. And if you are confused, you're not one. Mm-hmm. What is an alpha man? I think in my experience of an alpha male, it is somebody who is respected, you know, walks in the room and everybody just kind of like 
feels their presence. Some people can interpret submissiveness as like anything goes, like I'll put up with anything. No. No way. I mean, like, I think anything goes for sure if you're comfortable with the person. Because I'm doing shit I never did before. I'm just like, I would have never done this. But you know what? I'm comfortable with this person and I feel safe. Do you have an example? Anal. <laughs> you're like, you have an example? Yeah, that. Do you do it for you or do you do it for them? I do it for him because for me, I'm not at a place where I like it yet. I had We had one successful time where I was like, okay, you know, I, my butt creamed. It was like, oh shit, like it was like creaming. I don't know what the fuck that was, but it was like, it was weird. Yeah, I don't know the science of that in particular because yeah. your butt doesn't lubricate in that way. It would, you could shit so on the person. So it was booty juice. It, it wasn't though. It was clear. Yeah. Yeah, that's fast. I'll have to get back to you on that. But then does anal become an act of submission because you're letting your partner do something to you that doesn't necessarily feel good for you, but you know that it feels good and maybe powerful for them? I think it feels more powerful for them than it feels good because you're getting nowhere. It hurts. It's like, okay, like if he wants to. But he can still orgasm from it. I think it's just the butt is just so tight and so untouched. And I think it's the fact that nobody's been in there but him is like the power of that. Like that's my asshole. Like ain't nobody been in that shit but me. That shit's mine. Do you get pleasure because you're giving him an experience? No, I actually like a finger in the butt. No, from like anal in particular. Oh, um, like what's the incentive for you to do it if you're like it's not my favorite thing, but I do it because X. Um, I think I just do it because he wants it, and I think like when you come to me in a space where it's like you're very masculine and it's just like give me that ass or or however you say it to me and you're like ooh like I like that shit like tell me what the fuck to do tell me what to do I like to be told what to do you know even what I mean? if the thing that they want you to do i don't want to do it yeah that's but it's that's still that's traumatic too i don't know but like because it's him i trust him i guess because we have all these like and I, I hear when you're talking to like you're listening to how it sounds then yeah. reflecting on how it feels for you yeah because the feeling might be that's my truth yeah it might sound a certain way but also too we're talking about your relationship at a very specific narrow lens mm -hmm. we're not talking to him one yeah and two, we're not talking about the full breadth of things so when things are multi-dimensional multi-tiered it makes sense within it but we're talking about it siloed off so you're like oh i don't i want to soften it but the real truth might be like i do whatever he wants me to do if, as long as he asks me in a way that makes me feel like a dirty bitch yeah that's, that's your truth but right no i love that <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, I do do whatever he asks me to do and say whatever he wants me to say in that moment. And but I also I love that. Uh, that's like my shit. That's your kink. Yeah, I feel comfortable enough. And then just even like, you know, just to even take it there. I have I come from a sexual a traumatic sexual traumatic traumatic sexual past. Yeah, where like I was. It's very sensitive for me because like the shit that was done to me in, in my past, but like I'm comfortable enough with you to let you do that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's just a level of trust for me. And it's interesting that I'm even saying this because I don't think I've ever really talked about this, but um, for me to not hate men 
after all the things that I've been through, like in my life, um, and for me to still love again is, is a really big deal for me. You know, for me to even be up here with you and talk like this and speak so candidly about how I'm such a servant when like all my life I've just known people to take from me and I still want to give. It's very interesting. But um, you look like you're getting misty eyed. Is it misty eyed? <laughs> but not in a, is it. I want to ask if that's coming from the pain of the trauma or the joy of the self acceptance that you have have despite the trauma. I think a little bit of both. And I saw my abuser like not too long ago out when I was out. And I know that I saw him on another occasion years ago and he was like, Jazz, you know, I'm just really sorry for all the things that I've done to you. And I was just like, okay. And, um, but you- Is this an ex-partner? I thought he was, but he wasn't. Like, so in my mind, I'm thinking he's like, I've always liked older men because my dad, you know what I mean? Like my dad, so let me paint this picture for you. My parents are both the black sheep of their family, right? So they both dealt with a lot of trauma on both sides of their family. So when they came together, they bonded over the fact that like they can relate to each other and they're not alone in the situations that they felt. So when they had us, um, my dad doesn't come from a place of love. He comes from survival. But I think I blamed him for that for so long. And like, I love my father, you know, cause I understand him now. You just didn't have that, you know? And I can't, and I, I remember blaming him for so long for that, for what I didn't have, but he didn't have it to give because he was never shown that. That was not the environment that he grew up in. But your mom showed it though. My mom showed it. So yes, you do have a choice, but um, but my mom is also just a tender person. And I think that my dad is just genuinely not like that, which is fine. Um, so when you got older, you're like, I still want the strength yes. and the alphaness that my dad had, but I also want him to have the tenderness that my dad lacked. Yeah, so me being a young girl, I'm looking for older men. Like, I'm like, I, I just liked older guys. So I ended up dating a guy who was older than me. And, you know, he sees me as this, like, young, naive, fun girl, whatever, whatever. And he basically just, like, you know, I thought he was my boyfriend. I was underage. And um, he wasn't my boyfriend. He was just somebody. He was just a really bad person. Did you go the opposite way? Because it sounds like in that relationship you were submissive, but yeah. taken advantage of, manipulated. Yes, yes. So after that, did you go the opposite way of becoming more dominant and then reclaiming the submissiveness, or you've just always no, been this way? I always like just wanted someone to fix it, wanted someone to make it right. I just wanted, you know, I just wanted love all my life. Mm -hmm. So when I think that when I wasn't finding the love or I wasn't getting the love that I wanted, I decided to just give it and I've been known to love people back to health and sometimes it's very draining but my love is my superpower and I used to hate that about myself but now it's like I'm just embracing it like that's who I am like if I love you I can heal you but it, I guess it's interesting about your story is because it's like the core value system of I live to love others mm. seems like it never went away so what's different then? I guess because it could be interpreted that submissiveness comes out of a place of feeling like you have to prove your worthiness to be loved by someone. Mm, I did that. But you don't do that anymore. No. What's different now is I know my worth. Once my career started taking off and other women were able to relate to me from like just being organic and unapologetic, it, was, it gave me permission to be like, you know what? I don't need, you know, I did pop my shit for a long time for like, you know, with the whole like, I don't need nobody. And that felt really good. 
But then until it didn't, where I was like, you know what? I don't, but I, I do want someone, you yeah. know? So now it's like, I don't need, and I think there might still be a part of me that wants to be seen as worthy to someone. My mom, you know, when things were getting serious with us, she said, Jazz, my mom's from Trinidad by way of St. Vincent. Or, yeah. And she's like, um, oh, Jazz, I see you guys are getting serious. And I was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm good for him. And she said, oh, Jazz, you're good for anybody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. And I told him that. And he was like, you are. Like, he, you, you're just. Did that, when, what does that damn mean for you? Like, damn, I never thought of it that way. Damn, that's true. Damn, I never thought about it that way because the treatment that you get is who I am. And it's just, I see that, I see where you need it. But I'm going to be like this anyway. You know what I mean? Where some people change for people. I don't change for people. I think I adjust to their needs. But everything that I do is out of love anyways. So it always finds space. Mm -hmm. You know? Because I would think the art of submission, it is an art. And like mm-hmm. anything else, like if you think of contemporary art, right? It's free-flowing, it is intuitive, but if it becomes chaotic, then it just, it's no longer beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think with submissiveness, there is that line there of like knowing what your values are, knowing what your role in the relationship is, being joyful about mm-hmm. it, because that's also a big part of it too. Yeah. But I would assume that there is a line where it can get dangerous and chaotic. Yeah. So when you think about that, like as a submissive person, what do you have to be mindful of to ensure you're not being taken advantage of? I think when you when you notice like a flag, I think you should speak on it. You know, like hey, um, or if, if if it bothers you, if something bothers you, you should talk about it. You know, and I love the relationship that you have because with your husband because you you say you guys talk about and I, and we do too. I have the opposite problem. Really? I have to put in a very strict shut the fuck up Shan filter because I will talk too much. Really? So yeah, I like too. I will complain. I will correct. Like so I have the opposite thing where I have to be like not forcing myself to speak up, mm-hmm. but like making myself like, OK, you don't have to say that. Mm. And it sounds like you're coming from the different perspective where advocating for yourself is a thing that you have to be more mindful of. Yeah, because I'm the type of person where I don't want you to hurt. I rather hurt because I've I've dealt with hurt and I know how to deal with hurt. But I don't want you. If I love you, I don't want you to feel that. I'll feel that because I know that. It's fascinating because I feel the opposite. Wow, I love but I love that. I feel the opposite because I sometimes too, especially when it comes like if someone does something that bothers me, it's like I would rather communicate that you bothered me than I continue to like argue with myself about how I'm bothered. But for me, I think I pick and choose my battles. A battle is, is not always worth fighting if I know your heart. Because I can have the conversation with myself and pretend like I'm having it with you and know what you're going to say. And then if I know what you're going to say, then I just won't have it. Because it's like, he's going to say this. Or he's going to, you know, he's going to feel like he didn't mean it like that. So I go through the motions. But if it is, like, if it is very gray, then I'll have that conversation. You know, because sometimes, like, he would... Um, is that new for you? Yes. Yeah, I think I... My, and I've watched my mom eat a lot of shit, too. And I think that in a lot of ways that, like, my mom, the things that frustrate me about my mom, and I love her to death, like, I find myself being that way, too. Ugh. But it's like, ooh, 
So it's it's very interesting because it's like my mom will call me and I'm like, mommy, you just got to be like this. You just got to say this. You get you got to be like this. But then me in my romantic life, it's like, ooh, I'm more like my mom than I thought I was. I come from a Caribbean household, too. And it's interesting because I never liked that about the culture <laughs> that it's so boys, boys, boys first. It is. And I like a lot of aunts or my grandma, like they prioritize boys when they aren't necessarily more special right y'all not doing nothing right yeah do you feel like that's why you're so outspoken now like my dad is very dominant and very alpha and very like i need to leave a lasting impression mm. and instead of me looking for a man who was like that i wanted to be like that mm. so it's similar to i love that because you had a dad who had these qualities and like yeah. you were looking for qualities like your dad mm -hmm. so that you could be like your mom mm. that was good it's yeah. interesting, right? Yeah, it's true, though. Mm -hmm. So for you to say that you wanted to be more like your dad, that's interesting to me because a woman isn't supposed to be soft and delicate or whatever the hell. But if you're just not that, not to say you're not, but if you're not that, then you're not that. No, I'm not that. Right. I know that about myself. But like, do you think that it takes a certain, because, you know, different people bring out different sides of you. Do you think that that just... I don't think it'd be possible for me. Mm -hmm. I think even when I was listening to you talk about, like, you wanting a man to like who's got that respect level a man who like you know is that leadership role mm -hmm. my entire life i cannot do people talking down to me so i don't mm -hmm. do well with authority mm -hmm. so i had bad relationships with teachers bad mm -hmm. relationships with coaches and even my parents like there had to be like the guy the equalness the egalitarianness and I also can't stand people talking up to me. Mm. So if you're like, oh, you're so great. Oh, you're so amazing. I'm like, really? so like, but I, I think can't. that about you. But if you, I guess if you, we talk for a long period of time and oh, I got okay. that energy from you consistently, <laughs> I would definitely be like, I'm enough with you. <laughs> if we're hanging out all the time and you're like, you're so cool. You're so interesting. I love you so much. And then if we're not, if I'm not doing that back to you, yeah. I think that's the thing is everything has to be here. Eye to mm, eye. Everything has so to be I equal. think that in my life, I don't know. I definitely don't want a man who's submissive because mm -hmm. I think that I would, I have the personality type where I would take advantage of that person mm. and eventually take them for granted. Mm. And I also don't want somebody who's more dominant than me because I have a problem with authority and I would have constant fights with them. Mm. So I know that about myself where I like need that, but you know about yourself in that your dynamic is different. So I'm like, is the goal to acknowledge that you're one way or the other? Because in me acknowledging I'm very dominant, I know where I have to soften up. And in you acknowledging where you're submissive, you know where you have to get more assertive and aggressive. Yeah. So is the joyful place for everyone <laughs> to get to the middle or no? no? I don't think so. I don't think I wanna get to the middle. I think that and this goes to me studying my person. I, I have an A plus in his studies because I just know him, you know, and then it's Does like, he have an A plus in you. Uh, I think so. I think so. I mean, I, it, I think I make it easy for a man to be with me because they don't have to do much. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he does. He does. Very last question, I promise. Ah, okay. In this relationship, in this dynamic of relationships. Yes. Is it 50-50? Is it 2080? Mm. A joyful 2080? What's the percentage? Ooh. Um, I think that I keep it afloat. Personally. You didn't answer my question. I don't know the numbers. That <laughs> might works. be part of the art of submission, though. Because I think 
I often get accused in relationships of being transactional. So numbers are in mind for me a yeah, lot. No, not Maybe me. for a submissive person, it doesn't even occur to them. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. I'm going to give what's in my heart. And if I get nothing back, I'm okay. Because I know that I did it with a pure heart. Is the art of submission lost? In who? Just In overall? mainstream culture? Yes. You know why? And I think it's because men don't make women feel safe to be that. Some men will say, oh, women are too this, they're too that. But it's like, mm, actually, you're just not giving me that king-like energy that makes me want to submit to you because I think all women have that in them it's just except for you you said it's not you you said it's, you made it clear and it's not you <laughs> what is that mm-hmm. not the trans but I love that you know that about yourself I do but it's so funny because you're saying this and I'm just like that's everything that I am not but I love that for you though and I love this for you yeah <laughs> I do and this is this is how we meet in the middle <laughs> shout out to Jasmine Brown you can find Jasmine on Instagram and on Twitter at Watch Jazzy. She mentioned to me that she's starting a new exciting project and she's going to Essence Fest. I believe she was double booked as both Toya Turnup and as herself, Jasmine Brown. So she's very, very busy and I'm grateful that she made the time for the show. Okay, up next, I had to do something. Obviously I had to ask Jared about this. (laughs) I had to, like I finished this interview and I was like, Jared, so many different questions. And in addition to Jared, I also wanted to see how my sister, Lauren Morrison, and her husband, Chris Morrison, would respond to this idea of a submissive romantic dynamic, given that there was a long period of time where I viewed them in this way, but things have shifted in their relationship. So this is one of those classic third segments where I model for you the kind of conversation that I hope you bring to your romantic partner or to your bestie or to your sister and just chew on this shit because yeah this was a meaty conversation so let's get to the beef I am very fascinated to hear everyone's (laughs) she stares at me (laughs) she stares right at (laughs) Jared. I thought it was refreshing actually we can get so bombarded by messages that are like men aren't shit i make my i do this for myself i get my man to do all this for himself and i don't serve any man i think you get a lot of that so it was just like kind of nice to hear someone say like i do everything for my man and it makes me joyful to do that yeah and not just that but it's like i have a choice in the matter You know, I'm very successful. I'm a hustler. I don't need a man for anything, but I do it because this is this is how I love. And it brings me joy to love this way. You don't hear women today speak like that. Yeah, it's blasphemous if you do. It kind of is. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Don't you serve the man. Exactly. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, it's like this. It's like, would I want that? It's like asking me, like, would you want ice cream today? Like, of course, if somebody was willing to do that, you would love it. Like, anybody would love it. Even as a woman, if a man showed up and was like, I'm going to take care of everything you need all the time before you even think of it. I know you. I watch you. When you walk in, I know you want this, this, and that. I don't think I'd want that. Neither do I. I would want that. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I would want that. I think it wouldn't be conducive with long-term or a loving relationship. But if, like, you had multiple women, the one that I would probably be the most interested in would be the one that's more equal. And then the one that I would need when I'm like stressed out, it'd be that. Oh, it, there you go. You didn't tell me we were doing a, a timeshare. 
If we're doing a timeshare and we've got one for Chris's each occasion. Dream. Was there like any elbow your wife moments while listening? No. Like no. you could do more of this? Like <clears throat> yeah. No. 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 Okay, maybe a little. All right. Not, not. <laughs> I, I, the reason why it's no for me is because I think that you do a lot of those things. Like, I don't. I know you distance yourself from it a lot, but I don't think that you're not that person who's giving and loving and serving. Well, maybe yeah. it's not giving and loving and serving in the traditional female sense of yeah. like, I make Jared's dinner every night, or yeah. you know what I mean. Maybe, maybe, or I make sure his laundry's done, or all yeah, those kinds yeah. of things. So maybe it's just not in the traditional sense, but it's in a way that Jared feels served. Yeah, I felt the elbow moment from you, the invisible elbow moment when she was talking about conflict. How it's like I don't have to. I can pick my battles better. But you do. Now I do. Maybe in this. So, well, I don't know how you say that though, because we're having a great day apparently. Because if we ever get into an argument, you're always just like every three days. When I, was the last time we got an argument? When was the last no, time we, I said we're it? We're in a good stretch. Okay. But the so last awesome. every time we do get into an argument, you're like, it's different. If this wasn't happening every two weeks, you know. So yeah, but that's that is true. But you also are displaying that you don't have as many issues. <laughs> so, I don't know. Look how happy he is. <laughs> Enjoy it. Why do you gotta go, why do you gotta fight, though? Yeah. <laughs> every two weeks. Why can't you Can just I just get it. my feet underneath myself? Yeah. <laughs> These are the quotes. So that's why when she was talking about picking your battles, I can imagine you listening and being like, no. So, can I say why I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about this? Is because on a spectrum, I viewed this originally like, Jazzy and her partner on one end of the spectrum, you and I, Jared, on the other end of the spectrum, yeah, and you and Lauren in the middle. What makes you say that? Interesting. Well, I think we talked about this offline, which I was like, that's illuminating to me, but I used to look at your guys' relationship as a much more traditional gender-rolled relationship. Yeah. Oh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel it's offensive now. So I'm just like, do I get my paddle out? No, no, it's not, no it's, not a, it's not offensive. It's not offensive at all. I, you know what? It's interesting because I think, if I'm being honest, there was this sense of me that was listening to Jazzy speak and kind of miss that version of myself a little bit. I think especially when I had, when um, I was on maternity leave and Chris was going to work, we really went like deep into traditional roles. Cause it was like, you go to work and when you come home, you don't have to worry about anything. You'll mm -hmm. never have to worry about laundry. Food will always be on the table for you. Your kids will be, so all you have to do is come home and spend time with your son or your son and daughter. Um, so I very much like was leaning into that and then when I went back to work, it was like, okay, hey, now I'm doing what you're doing <laughs> and I wanna see, like, but, but my obligations haven't changed. So your obligations haven't changed, my obligations have gone up significantly. Um, and that's where I really started to feel the imbalance of it all. And then I think that we got to a breaking point where I was really struggling because of what I deemed as the inequity of our relationship. Because, you know, Chris was really focused on work and I was focused on work and home. Mm. But there was a journey 
to get there. It was there. a journey like, to get there. Lauren, you, you know, as she describes it, that's the abbreviated piece and, and not to take you through all of it. But in my, in my mind, when you go back to when I was working and Lauren was at home and I was thinking, OK, I need to double down on making my career twice as good right? Yeah. because I've got even more mouths to feed. And so that's where my mind was at. And that's where, you know, we got into that sort of space where why am I going to spend more time doing dishes and doing these things? And by the way, I would still do those things. It's just whether I'm doing those things to the liking of the party that you're with. Mm. And to your point about egalitarianism, there's there's a threshold, be it communicated or not, in your mind about how often that needs to be yeah. done. Yeah. Right. Because I think, Chris, when I think of you, of like when people talk about a high value man, they're describing you. Right. Oh, thank you. They're describing <laughs> <laughs> well, that it's everything. Right. It's the whole package. Right. So then my natural thought would be, would this be the kind of relationship that you ideally thought you would be in? I think it it worked out really well okay you don't have to <laughs> but know. here's the, no no here's here's the thing <laughs> there's doing it and then there's doing it without complaint right and if you could have done it with less complaints yes. <laughs> life would have been much easier right, right? <laughs> right. So if you're asking, but it still got done and i can honestly say that i do appreciate when i'm able to be that for chris um, when I'm able to, and that's why I kind of say like, there's a part of me that misses it right now because I'm starting to really back off when it comes to Chris, mm -hmm. he's more leaning into that servitude and I'm allowing it to happen. Do you like it? But I'm not, of course I like it. It's <laughs> beautiful and it's wonderful and it's lovely, but I'm also, it was a good realization too, for me that it's like, man, I really gotta, I really gotta give back more to him because we're not 50-50 right now. I think the bigger question is because I think if every person really sat down and thought about it, they love to be served. For sure. So mm -hmm. I think the bigger question is like, what do I have to take to, what do I have to have in order for me to actually receive the serve and then in turn serve? I think it's the equalness. Yeah. Like I have to see that that's being offered for me and then I'm like, I'm comfortable to give this side of myself right. back. I think for me personally, in order for me to receive that serve and to feel good about it, I have to find ways where I'm giving as well. Yeah. Jazzy had said, like, when I was talking about our relationship being pretty egalitarian and like yeah. yin and yang, she's like, did you have to train him to be like that? Yeah, I hated that. <laughs> I was pissed. I was like, what? Well, I guess it's kind of like the thought could be that naturally a man's expectation is to receive more mm -hmm. um, in terms of like affection and love and doting and yeah. submissiveness. And so she's like, did, well, did you come this way or did you enter into this relationship and be like, oh, I, I like this flow that and what she's did you creating. Say? I said, I have to ask him. No, you wouldn't know if you trained me. No, I literally... Well, I, I don't think that training is the right word, yeah. but more so, I don't know if you came into this being like, I need an equal partner in all facets, or you came into this like, oh, this is what she's offering, and I actually think that this works for me. Yeah, every girl I've ever been with wasn't uh, in an egalitarian way. It was all that serving, every girl that I've ever been with, and so I didn't last long with them. I lost interest. And so I think I think a big part of that is I have to be able to look at you and be inspired. 
And I can't be inspired by someone who's always serving me all the time. Can I ask a question, though? Is it a flex to have a partner like that? Like, yeah. as a man, amongst your, amongst your locker room or cigar room talk, <laughs> is it a flex to say that, oh, I have a partner and I go home and I know my meal will be cooked. I have a partner and I know that they're going to make sure I sleep well. My partner prioritizes my peace. Like, is there something, like... Why would there not be? Yeah. It's definitely something. There's something to it, but it also depends on your social circle, your friend circle. But there's a value that men place on peace and having those things done. Even on the reverse side for women, if you had a man who was like your little puppy dog. I don't think it's a flex. Come on. Are we blind right now? Exactly. With the whole pop culture? I think that women would not look at it like I want your man. They'd look at it like, oh, you got a sucker. You hear it in all the songs nowadays. You hear it all the time. Like there is a there is a portion of the population who does use that as Let a Let me flex. paint a picture, okay? You, Lauren, we have a party with a bunch of women, right? And Chris comes in with a tray of drinks. You're describing every party. Well, this I've is ever Chris, right? I know to an extent, but I'm going to keep going. He serves everyone drinks, and then he pops in midway through and says, "Babe, just want to remind you that tomorrow you have your Pilates class at 10 a.m. So." You know, yeah, just want to let you know. And then Chris leaves. A corny dude. And then, that's not, that's not what I'm everyone's saying. Everyone's partying. Oh my and God. then he comes in and says, hi, everyone. Just want to say goodnight. I'm going to go to bed. But, you know, babe, when you come what? to bed, I'll wake up and I'll still rub your back. But thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you had a great night. <laughs> but now, reverse it. Yeah. And Chris, your friends are over. And Lauren did that exact thing. Is there not something where your friends would be like, oh, Chris. You got a good one. Of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. And you think all your friends would hackle if yeah. a guy did that? Yeah. I don't think so. I think they'd be they like, would be, they'd be like, girl, 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 you got it. You got Or whatever the case is, yep. they, they would go home and like you got say something. One. And then in the parking lot, they'd be like, no, no, she would go back to her husband and be like, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, oh, oh what's your no, man? Give us all drinks. Reminder of the thing. This is serving. What are you doing? Pause, 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 because I'm not getting any support on this side. So I got to turn to my audience right now. Do you think that it's a flex for a straight heterosexual woman to be with a genuinely submissive male partner? Yes and no. Being in that that is normally typically a female role, it's something that kind of gives me validation as a female. As a straight woman, I don't think that having a submissive man is a flex or gives social cred. Um, I've never heard any of my friends flexing about that. However, I have heard them celebrate men who are dominant. As a society, as Western society, historically, we value masculinity and dominant masculine qualities over femininity. So when we see men displaying non-masculine, non-dominant qualities is associated more with femininity, which is undervalued. And I think that's why you hear a lot of women even describe a submissive man as giving them the ick because it's not qualities that we have been taught to value in men. So then final thing, then Lauren, for you in listening to this, were you like, oh, I actually felt inspired? I did. I actually did feel inspired by it. I felt inspired to kind of return to um, return to giving that kind of love to Chris that I don't think that I've done such a good job of since we moved to L.A. 
your whole life you have been criticized by our parents for being the person who is too submissive to people and does submit. And when you guys got first into the relationship, that was like a big concern mm -hmm. for my family of like that. So I wonder if too, like you, maybe you naturally are more of this person, but it was never encouraged in you. So maybe hearing somebody claim it in a way that was celebratory felt like, yeah. It feels, it feels refreshing, yeah. I naturally do put others' needs before my own. And I've had to switch that and fight to put myself more in the forefront. I'm happy to serve Chris because I can also bring my whole person yeah. to the relationship. So that means like I don't need to hide if I feel shitty or if I feel like a failure or if I'm sad. I don't need to hide that part of me. Well, then you're welcome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just came out of this year. You're welcome, Jared. <laughs> I, I, I was the one who gave you the compliment first. Well, I don't know. I was just following Chris's lead. We're all saying you're welcome. And thank you. You can follow my sister, Lauren Morrison, who used to be a major contributor on this podcast, but has gone on to become very successful as an executive coach. And we miss her dearly, but are so, so proud of Lauren and the work that she's doing. So even though she can't, you know, be a part of our regular lovers and friends life weekly, she will be sprinkled in here, but you can have her a part of your life as much as you want as a coach. So go to maketheshift.com. You can also follow Lauren on Instagram at this is Lauren Elizabeth that will be listed in the show notes and her husband, Chris Morrison, you can find on her projects. I don't think Chris has a social media thing that he's promoting, but I'm always grateful that he makes the time to share his opinion so candidly and vulnerably here on this podcast. Shout out to you, Chris. And of course, Jared Brady, my love, my husband, shout out to you. Um, Jared is just my favorite person. And if you want to invite some joyful people into your life, uh, listen to Jared and some of his favorite people on his podcast, which is called Enjoy the Podcast. Also, that will be listed in the show notes. Okay. So two things that I want to share with you guys. One, I just want to formally say this because I think I hint this here and there. Um, I'm having another girl. Did I mention that to you guys really clearly? So the other baby, baby two, baby X, that we've, we've been referring to her as, um, is a is XX chromosome. So that is definitely coloring how I feel about the Roe versus Wade being overturned and just coloring in general how I feel about my role in activism. And that's what I really wanted to unpack in this part. And look, I could ramble a long time about this topic, but the real truth is I fall short majorly when it comes to advocacy, when it comes to getting involved in things politically. The excuse that I will give is it's the same reason I don't watch professional sports because becoming emotionally invested in things that I feel like you have little control over the end outcome just doesn't seem like a recipe for happiness for me. But I know, and I've known for a, a while now that I've been dead wrong for that way of thinking and that it comes from a place of laziness and it comes out of a place of fear. Two systems that I never want to operate from. 
And so again, when I heard those words from Dewanda about, you know, sustainable and even just hearing her mention that being a part of these rallying movements has been something that she's done for her entire life. And that means that her family members instilled this in her. I want for my daughters to say that one day. And given my involvement right now, they couldn't say that. So I'm making an effort to try to figure out sustainable ways to make this a part of my life. And I am going to challenge myself to make myself uncomfortable and also to be more optimistic about the contribution that I can have or the impact that I can make, even if it doesn't come in big, splashy ways. And that's why starting locally is so important and starting with small organizations where you can see your effort um, reflected in the work that is being done is really, really a crucial next step. So that's where I'm starting and I have a long way to go. And as I mentioned, this is something I would like to be better at, but I also have a huge learning curve to undertake. So please be patient with me and also, yeah, educate me and inform. And if this is something that you've already done, I would love your advice. Okay. Next week on Lovers and Friends, the podcast. Because you know, the, the common piece of advice is to fall in love with your best friend. Why is it the best advice possible and also the worst advice possible? Best advice because you literally know everything about them. You know their intentions. You know, like, dang, like, this my ride or die. Like, you know what I'm saying? I can really see a future with you. The worst thing about it is just like, dang, you could possibly lose out on somebody you really, really love that as was that as a best friend you know what i'm saying I was so it's like say exactly dang that. like if we possibly don't work out there's just no way i could be friends with her or see her with somebody else because it will break my heart you know so stay tuned for that and take care of yourself in this highly emotionally charged uncertain time that we're in right now i hope that this podcast brought you some joy and gave you insights that could be positively impactful for your intimate life, a space that I deeply, deeply hope brings you a lot of joy. Lovers and friends, lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby, I don't pretend, I say. Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end, I say. Lovers and friends, uh, lovers and friends, yeah, I say. Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down,